0: Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales. This is your host, John Hagedorn. I have a great story for you today. It's a novella, which is longer than a short story and shorter than a novel. It's written by George Barr McCutcheon. It's an adventure romance, and it's quite a story. It's called The Day of the Dog. And now, Part 1. I'll catch the first train back this evening, Graves. "'Wouldn't go down there if it were not absolutely necessary. "'But I've just heard that Mrs. Delancey is to leave for New York tonight, "'and if I don't see her today, there will be a pack of troublesome complications. "'Tell Mrs. Graves she can count on me in the box party tonight.' "'We'll need you, Crosby. Don't miss the train.' "'I'll be at the station an hour before the train leaves. "'Confound it! It's a mean trip down there, 3 hours to the rankest kind of scenery and three hours back.' She's visiting in the country too, but I can drive out and back in an hour. On your life, hold man! Don't fail me. Don't worry, Graves. All Christendom couldn't keep me in Dexter after four o'clock this afternoon. Goodbye. And Crosby climbed into the hansom and was driven away at breakneck speed toward the station. Crosby was the junior member of the law firm of Rolf and Crosby. AND HIS TRIP TO THE COUNTRY WAS ON BUSINESS CONNECTED WITH THE SETTLEMENT OF A BIG ESTATE. MRS. DE WIDOW OF A SON OF THE DISSIDENT, WAS ONE OF THE LEGATEES, AND SHE WAS VISITING HER SISTER-IN-LAW, MRS. ROBERT AUSTIN, IN CENTRAL ILLINOIS. MR. AUSTIN OWNED EXTENSIVE FARMING INTERESTS NEAR DEXTER, AND HIS HANDSOME HOME WAS LESS THAN TWO MILES FROM THE HEART OF THE TOWN. Crosby anticipated no trouble in driving to the house and back in time to catch the afternoon train for Chicago. It was necessary for Mrs. Delancey to sign certain papers, and he was confident the transaction could not occupy more than half an hour's time. At 11.30, Crosby stepped from the coach to the station platform in Dexter, looking inquiringly about, and then asked a perspiring man with a star on his suspender strap where he could hire a horse and buggy. The officer directed him to a feed yard and stable, but observed that there was a funeral in town and he'd be lucky if he got a rig, as all of Smith's horses were out. Application at the stable brought the first frown to Crosby's brow. He could not rent a rig until after the funeral, and that would make it too late for him to catch the four o'clock train for Chicago. To make the story short, Twelve o'clock saw him trudging along the dusty road "'covering the two miles between town and Austin's place, "'and he was walking with the rapidity "'of one who has no love for the beautiful. "'The early spring air was invigorating, "'and it did not take him long to reduce the distance. "'Austin's house stood on a hill, far back from the highway, "'and overlooking the entire countryside. "'The big red barn stood in from the road a hundred yards or more, and he saw that the same driveway led to the house on the hill. There was no time for speculation, so he hastily made his way up the lane. Crosby had never seen his client, their business having been conducted by mail or through Mr. Rolfe. There was not a person in sight, and he slowed his progress considerably as he drew nearer the big house. At the barnyard gate he came to a full stop and debated with himself the wisdom of inquiring at the stables for Mr. Austin. He flung open the gate and strode quickly to the door. This he opened boldly and stepped inside, finding himself in a lofty carriage room. Several handsome vehicles stood at the far end, but the wide space near the door was clear. The floor was as clean as a pin, except along the west side. No one was in sight, and the only sound was that produced by the horses as they munched their hay and stomped their hoofs in impatient remonstrance with the flies.' Where the deuce are the people? he muttered as he crossed to the mangers. Devilish queer, glancing about in considerable doubt. The hands must be at dinner or taking a nap. He passed by a row of mangers and was calmly inspected by brown eyed horses. At the end of the long row of stalls he found a little gate opening into another section of the barn. He was on the point of opening this gate to pass in among the horses. When a low growl attracted his attention. In some alarm, he took a precautionary look ahead. On the opposite side of the gate stood a huge and vicious looking bulldog, unchained and waiting for him with an eager ferocity that could not be mistaken. Mr. Crosby did not open the gate. Instead, he inspected it to see it was securely fastened, and then drew his hand across his brow. What an escape! he gasped after a long breath. "'Lucky for me you growled, old boy. "'My name is Crosby, my dear sir, "'and I'm not here to steal anything. "'I'm only a lawyer. "'Anybody else at home but you?' "'An ominous growl was the answer, "'and there was lurid disappointment "'in the face of the squat figure beyond the gate. "'Come now, old Jap, don't be nasty. "'I won't hurt you. "'There is nothing farther from my mind "'than a desire to disturb you. "'And say,' Please do something besides growl. Bark and oblige me. You might attract the attention of someone. By this time the ugly brute was trying to get at the man, growling and snarling savagely. Crosby complacently looked on from his place of safety for a moment, and was on the point of turning away when his attention was caught by a new move on the part of the dog. The animal ceased his violent efforts to get through the gate, turned about deliberately, and and raced from view behind the horse-stalls. Crosby brought himself up with a jerk. Thunder! he ejaculated. The brute knows a way to get at me, and he won't be long about it either. What the dickens shall I— By George, this looks serious. He'll head me off at the door if I try to get out, and— Ah! the fire escape! We'll fool you, you brute! What a cursed idiot I was not to go to the house instead of coming— HE WAS SHINNING UP THE LADDER WITH LITTLE REGARD FOR GRACE AS HE MUMBLED THIS SELF-CONDEMNATORY REMARK. THERE WAS LITTLE DIGNITY IN HIS MANNER OF PLIGHT, AND THERE WAS CERTAINLY NO GLORY IN THE POSITION IN WHICH HE FOUND HIMSELF A MOMENT LATER, BUT THERE WAS A VAST AMOUNT OF SATISFACTION. THE LADDER RESTED AGAINST A BEAM THAT CROSSED THE carriage shed NEAR THE MIDDLE. THE BEAM WAS A LARGE ONE, HEWN FROM A MONSTER TREE, AND WAS FREE ON ALL SIDES. The latter had evidently been left there by men who had used it recently and had neglected to return it to the hooks on which it properly hung. When the dog rushed violently through the door and into the carriage-room he found a vast and inexplicable solitude. He was, to all appearances, alone with the vehicles under which he was permitted to trot when his master felt inclined to grant the privilege. Crosby, seated on the beam, fifteen feet above the floor, grinned securely, but somewhat dubiously, as he watched the mystified dog below. At last he laughed aloud. He couldn't help it. The enemy glanced upward and blinked his red eyes in surprise. Then he stared in deep chagrin, then glared with rage. For a few minutes, Crosby watched his frantic efforts to leap through fifteen feet of altitudinal space, confidently hoping that someone would come to drive the brute away and liberate him. Finally he began to lose the good humor his strategy in fooling the dog had inspired, and a hurt, indignant stare was directed toward the open door through which he had entered. "'What's the matter with the idiots?' he growled impatiently. "'Are they going to let this poor dog snarl his lungs out? He's a faithful chap, too, and a willing worker. Cad, I never saw anything more earnest than the way he tries to climb up that ladder.' Adjusting himself in a comfortable position— "'his elbows on his knees, his hands to his chin. "'He allowed his feet to swing lazily, tantalizingly, below the beam. "'I'm putting a good deal of faith in this beam,' he went on resignedly. "'The timber was at least fifteen inches square. "'Ah, by George, that was a bully jump, the best you've made. "'You didn't miss me more than ten feet that time. "'I don't like to be disrespectful, you know.' "'but you are an exceedingly rough-looking dog. "'Don't get huffy about it, old fellow, "'but you have the ugliest mouth I ever saw. "'Yes, you miserable cur. "'Politeness at last ceases to be a virtue with me. "'If I had you up here, I'd punch your face for you, too. "'Why don't you come up, coward? "'You're bow-legged, too, "'and you haven't any more figure than a crab. "'Anybody that would take an insult like that is beneath me. "'Thank heaven.' "'and would steals sheep. "'Great Scott, where are all these people? "'Shut up, you brute. "'You! "'I'm getting a headache. "'But it doesn't do any good to reason with you. "'I can see that plainly. "'The thing I ought to do is go down there and punish you severely. "'But I'll—' "'Hello! "'Hey, boy! "'Call off this confounded dog!' Two small Lord Fauntleroy boys were standing in the door, "'gazing up at him with wide-open mouths and bulging eyes. "'Call him off, I say, "'or I'll come down there and kick a hole clear through him.' "'The boy stared all the harder. "'Is your name Austin?' he demanded, "'addressing neither in particular. "'Yes, sir,' answered the larger boy, with an effort. "'Well, where's your father?' "'Shut up, you brute!' "'Can't you see I'm talking? "'Go tell your father I want to see him. "'Dad's up at the house. "'Well, that sounds encouraging. "'Can't you call off this dog? "'I I guess I'd better not. "'That's what Dad keeps him for. "'Oh, he does, eh? "'And what is it that he keeps him for? "'To watch out for tramps. To, "'To watch tramps? "'Say, boy!' I'm a lawyer. I'm here on business. He was black in the face with indignation. You better come up to the house and see Dad, then. He don't live in the barn, said the boy keenly. I can't fly to the house, boy. Say, if you don't call off this dog, I'll put a bullet through him. You'd have to be a pretty good shot, mister. Nearly everybody in the county's tried to do it. Both boys were grinning diabolically, and the dog took on an energy through inspiration. Crosby longed for a stick of dynamite. "'I'll give you a dollar if you get him away from here.' "'Let's see your dollar.' Crosby threw a silver dollar from his trouser pocket, almost falling from his perch in the effort. "'Here's the coin. Call him off,' gasped the lawyer. "'Ah, I'm afraid Papa wouldn't like it,' said the boy." THE SMALLER LAD NUDGED HIS BROTHER AND URGED HIM TO TAKE THE MONEY ANYHOW. "'I LIVE IN CHICAGO,' Crosby began, hoping to impress the boys at least. "'So do we when we're at home,' said the smaller boy. "'We live in Chicago in the winter time. "'Is Miss Delancey your aunt?' "'Yes, sir.' "'I'll give you this dollar if you'll tell your father I'm here and want to see him at once.' "'Throw down your dollar!' "'The coin fell at their feet, "'but rolled deliberately through a crack in the floor "'and was lost forever. "'Crosby muttered something unintelligible, "'but resignedly threw a second coin "'after the first. "'He'll be out when he gets through dinner,' "'said the older boy, "'just before the fight. Two minutes later, "'he was streaking across the barn lot "'with the coin in his pocket, "'the smaller boy wailing under the wool "'of a bloody nose.' For half an hour Crosby heaped insult after insult upon the glowering dog at the bottom of the ladder, and was in the midst of a rabid denunciation of Austin when the city-bred farmer entered the barn. "'Am I addressing Mr. Robert Austin?' called Crosby, suddenly amiable. The dog subsided and ran to his master's side. Austin, a black-moustached, sallow-faced man of forty, stopped near the door and looked aloft, squinting. "'Where are you?' he asked, somewhat sharply. "'I'm very much up in the air,' replied Crosby. "'Look a little south-by-southeast.' "'Ah, now you have me. "'Can you manage the dog? "'If so, I'll come down.' Uh, "'One moment, please. "'Who are you?' "'My name is Crosby, of Rolf and Crosby, Chicago. "'I'm here to see Mrs. Delancey, your sister-in-law, "'on business before she leaves for New York.' "'What's your business with her, may I ask?' "'Private,' said Crosby, laconically. "'Hold the dog.' "'I insist on knowing the nature of your business,' said Austin firmly. "'I'd rather come down here and talk, if you don't mind.' "'I don't, but the dog may,' said the other, grimly. "'Well, this is a nice way to treat a gentleman,' cried Crosby, wrathfully. "'Yeah?' "'A gentleman would scarcely have expected "'to find a lady in the barn, much less on a crossbeam. "'This is where my horses and dogs live.' "'Oh, that's all right now. "'This isn't a joke, you know.' "'I quite agree with you. "'What's your business with Mrs. Delancey?' "'We represent her late husband's interests "'in settling up the estate of his father. "'Your wife's interests are being looked after "'by Morton and Rogers, I believe.' "'I'm here to have Mrs. Delancey go through the form of signing papers "'authorizing us to bring suit against the estate "'in order to establish certain rights of which you are fully aware. "'Your wife's brother left his affairs slightly tangled, you remember.' "'Well, I can save you a good deal of trouble. "'Mrs. Delancey has decided to let the matter rest as it is, "'and to accept the compromise terms offered by the other heirs. "'She will not care to see you.' "'for she has just written to your firm "'announcing her decision.' "'You... you don't mean it!' "'exclaimed Crosby in dismay. "'He saw a prodigious fee "'slipping through his fingers. "'Gad, I must see her about this!' "'he went on, starting down the ladder, "'only to go back again hastily. "'The growling dog leaped forward "'and stood ready to receive him. "'Austin chuckled audibly. Ha, "'She really can't see you, Mr. Crosby. "'Mrs. Delancey leaves at four o'clock for Chicago, "'where she takes the Michigan Central for New York, to-night. "'You can gain nothing by seeing her.' "'But I insist, sir,' exploded Crosby. "'You may come down when you like,' said Austin. "'The dog will be here until I return from the depot after driving her over. "'Come down when you like.' "'Rosby did not utter the threat that surged to his lips. "'With the wisdom born of self-preservation, he temporized, "'reserving deep down in the surging young breast "'a promise to amply recompense his pride "'for the blows it was receiving at the hands of the detestable Mr. Austin. "'You'll admit that I'm in a devil of a pickle, Mr. Austin,' "'he said jovially. "'The dog is not at all friendly. "'Well, he's at least diverting. "'You won't be lonesome while I'm away.' "'I'll tell Mrs. Delancey that you called,' said Austin, ironically. He turned to leave the barn, and the sinister sneer on his face gave Crosby a new and amazing inspiration. Like a flash there rushed into his mind the belief that Austin had a deep-laid design in not permitting him to see the lady.' With this belief also came the conviction that he was hurrying her off to New York on some pretext simply to forestall any action that might induce her to continue the contemplated suit against the estate. Mrs. Delancey had undoubtedly been urged to drop the matter under pressure of promises, and the Austins were getting her away from the scene of action before she could reconsider or before her solicitors could convince her of the mistake she was making." "'The thought of this sent the fire of resentment "'racing through Crosby's brain, "'and he fairly gasped with the longing "'to get at the bottom of the case. "'His only hope now lay in sending a telegram to Mr. Rolfe, "'commanding him to meet Mrs. Delancey "'when her train reached Chicago, "'and to lay the whole matter before her. "'Before Austin could make his exit, "'the voices of women were heard outside the door, "'and an instant later two ladies entered. "'The farmer attempted to turn them back, "'but the younger, taller, and slighter of the newcomers cried, "'I just couldn't go without another look at the horses, Bob.' "'Crosby, on the beam, did not fail to observe the rich, tender tone of the voice, "'and it would have required almost total darkness to obscure the beauty of her face. "'Her companion was older and coarser, "'and he found delight in the belief that she was the better half of the disagreeable Mr. Austin. "'Good afternoon, Mrs. Delancey,' came a fine masculine voice from nowhere. The lady started in amazement. Mr. Austin ground his teeth. The dog took another tired leap upward. Mr. Crosby took off his hat gallantly and waited patiently for the lady to discover his whereabouts. "'Who is it, Bob?' cried the tall one, and Crosby patted his bump of shrewdness happily. "'Who have you in hiding here?' "'I'm not in hiding, Mrs. Delancey. I'm a prisoner,' that's all. I'm right near the top of the ladder, directly in front of you. You know me only through the mails, but my partner, Mr. Rolfe, is known to you personally. My name is Crosby. How very strange! she cried in wonder. Why don't you come down, Mr. Crosby? I hate to admit it, but I'm afraid. There's the dog, you know. Have you any influence over him? None whatever. He hates me. "'Perhaps Mr. Austin can manage him. "'Oh, isn't it ludicrous?' "'And she burst into hearty laughter. "'It was a very musical laugh, "'but Crosby considered it a disagreeable croak. "'But Mr. Austin declines to interfere. "'I came to see you on private business, "'and I'm not permitted to do so.' "'We don't know this fellow, Louise, "'and I can't allow you to talk to him,' "'said Austin brusquely. "'I found him where he is.' "'and there he stays, until the marshal comes out from town. "'His actions have been very suspicious and must be investigated. "'I can't take chances on letting a horse-thief escape. "'Swallow will watch him until I can secure assistance.' "'I implore you, Mrs. Delancey, to give me a moment or two in which to explain,' cried Crosby. "'He knows I'm not here to steal his horses, "'and he knows I intend to punch his head the minute I get the chance.' Mrs. Austin's little shriek of dismay at her husband's fierce glare did not check the flow of language from the beam. "I am Crosby, of Rolf and Crosby, your counsel. I had the papers here for you to sign and Louise, I insist that you come away from here. This fellow's a fraud. He's refreshing at any rate," said Mrs. Delancey Gaily. "There can be no harm in hearing what he has to say, Bob." "'You are very kind, and I won't detain you long.' "'I have a mind to kick you out of this barn,' cried Austin angrily. "'I don't believe you're tall enough, my good fellow.' Mr. Crosby was more than amiable. He was positively genial. Mrs. Delancey's pretty face was the picture of eager, excited mirth, and he saw that she was determined to see the comedy to an end. "'Louise!' exclaimed Mrs. Austin, speaking for the first time. You're not fool enough to credit this fellow's story, I'm sure. Come to the house at once. I will not stay here. Mrs. Austin's voice was hard and biting, and Crosby also caught the quick glance that passed between husband and wife. We'll return with The Day of the Dog by George Barr McCutcheon right after these sponsor messages. "'And now, back to our story. "'I'm sure Mrs. Delancey will not be so unkind as to leave me "'after I've had so much trouble in getting an audience. "'Here is my card, Mrs. Delancey.' "'Crosby tossed a card from his perch, "'but Swallow gobbled it up instantly. "'Mrs. Delancey gave a little cry of disappointment, "'and Crosby promptly apologized for the dog's greediness. "'Mr. Austin knows I'm Crosby,' he concluded. "'I know nothing of the sort, sir, and I forbid Mrs. Delancey holding further conversation with you. This is an outrageous imposition, Louise. You must hurry, by the way, or we'll miss the train,' said Austin, biting his lip impatiently. "'That reminds me. I also take the four o'clock train for Chicago, Mrs. Delancey. If you prefer, we can talk over our affairs on the train instead of here.' "'I'll confess this isn't a very dignified manner "'in which to hold a consultation,' said Crosby, apologetically. "'Will you be kind enough to state the nature of your business, Mr. Crosby?' "'said the young woman, ignoring Mr. Austin. "'Then you believe I'm Crosby?' cried that gentleman triumphantly. "'Louise!' cried Mrs. Austin in despair. "'In spite of your present occupation, I believe you're Crosby.' "'said Mrs. Delancey merrily. "'But, good gracious, I can't talk business with you "'from this confounded beam,' he cried lugubriously. "'Mr. Austin will call the dog away,' she said confidently, "'turning to the man at the door. "'Austin's sallow face lighted with a sudden malicious grin, "'and there was positive joy in his voice. "'You may be satisfied, but I'm not. "'If you desire to transact business with this impertinent stranger,' "'Mrs. Delancey, you'll have to do so under existing conditions. "'I do not approve of him or his methods, and my dog doesn't either. "'You can trust a dog for knowing a man what he is. "'Mrs. Austin and I are going to the house. "'You may remain, of course. "'I have no right to command you to follow. "'When you're ready to drive to the station, please come to the house. "'I'll be ready. "'Your Mr. Crosby may leave when he likes, if he can.' With this defiant thrust, Mr. Austin stalked from the barn, followed by his wife. Mrs. Delancey started to follow, but checked herself immediately, a flush of anger mounting to her brow. After a long pause, she spoke. "'I don't understand how you came to be where you are, Mr. Crosby,' she said slowly. He related his experiences rapidly, and laughed with her simply because she had a way with her. "'You'll pardon me for laughing?' she giggled. "'With all my heart,' he replied gallantly. "'It must be very funny. However, this is not business. You are in a hurry to get away from here, and I'm not, it seems. Briefly, Mrs. Delancey, I have the papers you are to sign before we begin your action against the Fairwater estate. You know what they are through Mr. Rolfe.' "'Well, I'm sorry, Mr. Crosby.' TO SAY TO YOU THAT I HAVE DECIDED TO ABANDON THE MATTER. A SATISFACTORY COMPROMISE IS UNDERWAY. YES, I'VE BEEN TOLD THAT. BUT ARE YOU SURE YOU UNDERSTAND YOURSELF? PERFECTLY, THANK YOU. THIS IS A VERY UNSATISFACTORY PLACE FROM WHICH TO ARGUE MY CASE, MRS. DE CAN'T YOU DISPOSE OF THE DOG? ONLY GOD DISPOSES. WELL, DO YOU MIND TELLING ME WHAT THE COMPROMISE PROVIDES? She stared at him for a moment haughtily, but his smile won the point for him. She told him everything, and then looked very much displeased when he swore distinctly. "'Pardon me, but you're getting very much the worst of it in this deal. It's the most contemptible scheme to rob I've ever heard of. By this arrangement, you are to get farming lands and building lots in rural towns worth in all about a hundred thousand dollars, I'd say. "'Don't you know?' That you're entitled to nearly half a million? Oh, dear, no. By right, my share is less than seventy five thousand, she cried triumphantly. Who told you that? he demanded, and she saw a very heavy frown on his erstwhile merry face. Why, Mr. Austin and another brother in law, Mr. Gray, both of whom were very kind to me in the matter, I'm sure. Mrs. Delancey, you are being robbed by these fellows. "'Can't you see that these brothers-in-law and their wives "'will profit immensely if they succeed "'in keeping the wool over your eyes long enough? "'Let me show you some figures.' "'He excitedly drew a packet of papers from his pocket, "'and in five minutes' time had her gasping with the knowledge "'that she was legally entitled to more than half a million dollars. "'Are you sure?' she cried, unable to believe her ears. "'Absolutely. Here is the inventory,' "'and here are the figures to corroborate everything I say.' "'But they had figures, too,' she cried in perplexity. "'Yeah, I'm sure they did. Figures are wonderful things. "'I only ask you to defer this plan to compromise "'until we are able to thoroughly convince you "'that I am not misrepresenting the facts to you.' "'Oh, if only I could believe you. "'I would toss the documents down to you "'if I were not afraid they'd join my card.' That's a terribly ravenous beast. Surely you can coax him out of the barn, he added eagerly. I can try, but persuasion is difficult with a bulldog, you know, she said doubtfully. It's much easier to persuade a man, she smiled. I trust you won't try to persuade me to come down, he said in alarm. Mr. Austin is a brute to treat you in this manner, she cried indignantly. "'I wouldn't treat a dog as he's treating me.' "'Oh, I'm sure you couldn't,' she cried in perfect sincerity. "'Swallow doesn't like me, but I'll try to get him away. "'You can't stay up there all night.' "'By Jove!' he exclaimed sharply. "'What is it?' she asked quickly. "'I had forgotten an engagement in Chicago for tonight. "'Box party at the Comic Opera,' he said, looking nervously at his watch.' "'It would be too bad if you missed it,' she said sweetly. "'You'd be much more comfortable in a box.' "'Well, you are consoling, at least. "'Are you going to coax him off?' "'In behalf of the box party, I'll try. "'Come, Swallow. There's a nice doggie.' "'Crosby watched the proceedings with deepest interest and concern, "'and not a little admiration. "'But not only did Swallow refuse to abdicate,' but he seemed to take decided exceptions to the feminine method of appeal. He evidently did not like to be called "doggy," pet, deary, and all such things. He won't come, she cried plaintively. I have it," he exclaimed, his face brightening. Will you hand me that three-tying pitchfork over there? With that in my hands, I'll make Swallow see. Look out! For heaven's sake, don't go near him. He'll kill you. She had taken two or three steps toward the dog, her hand extended pleadingly, only to be met by an ominous growl, a fine display of teeth, and a bristling back. As if paralyzed, she halted at the foot of the ladder, terror suddenly taking possession of her. "'Can you get the pitchfork?' "'I'm afraid to move,' she moaned. "'He is horrible.' "'I'll come down, Mrs. Delancey, and hang the consequences.' "'Crosby cried, and was suiting the action to the word "'when she cried out in remonstrance. "'Don't come down, don't. He'll kill you. "'I forbid you to come down, Mr. Crosby. "'Look at him. Oh, he's coming toward me.' "'Don't come down,' she shrieked. "'I'll come up.' "'Grasping her skirts with one hand, "'she started frantically up the ladder, "'her terrified eyes looking into the face of the man above. "'There was a vicious snarl from the dog.' A savage lunge, and then something closed over her arm like a vice. She felt herself being jerked upward, and a second later she was on the beam beside the plus young man whose strong hand, and not the dog's jaws, had reached her first. He was obliged to support her for a few minutes with one of his emphatic arms, so near was she to fainting. "'Oh!' she gasped at last, looking into his eyes questioningly. "'Did he bite me? "'I wasn't sure, you know.' "'He gave such an awful leap for me. "'How did you do it?' "'A simple twist of the wrist, "'as the prestidigitators say. "'You had a close call, my dear Mrs. DeLancey. "'He was a quiver with new sensations "'that were sending his spirit sky-high. "'After all, it was not turning out so badly. "'He would have dragged me down, had it not been for you, "'and I might have been torn to pieces.' "'She shuddered, glancing down at the now infuriated dog.' "'It would have been appalling,' he agreed, "'discreetly allowing her to imagine the worst. "'How can I ever thank you?' cried she impulsively. "'He made a very creditable show of embarrassment "'in the effort to convince her that he had accomplished "'only what any man would have attempted under similar circumstances. "'She was thoroughly convinced that no other man could have succeeded.' "'Well, we're in a pretty position, are we not?' he asked in the end. "'I think I can stick on without being held, Mr. Crosby,' she said, and his arm slowly and regretfully came to parade rest. "'Are you sure you won't get dizzy?' he demanded in deep solicitude. "'I'll not look down,' she said, smiling into his eyes. He lost the power of speech for a moment. "'May I look at those figures now?' For the next ten minutes she studiously followed him as he explained the contents of the various papers." She held the sheets, and they sat very close to each other on the big beam. The dog looked on in sour disgust. "'They cannot be wrong!' she cried at last. Her eyes were sparkling. "'You are as good as an angel!' "'I only regret that I can't complete the illusion by unfolding a strong and convenient pair of wings right now,' he said dolorously. "'How are we to catch that train for Chicago?' "'I'm afraid we can't,' she said demurely. "'You'll miss the box-party.' "'Well, that's a pleasure easily sacrificed. "'Besides, you're seeing me on business. "'Pleasure should never interfere with business, you know?' "'It doesn't seem to,' he said, "'and the dogs saw them smile tranquilly into each other's eyes. "'Oh, isn't this too funny for words? "'I wonder when Austin will condescend to release us.' "'I've come to a decision, Mr. Crosby,' she said irrelevantly. "'Indeed?' "'I shall never speak to Robert Austin again, and I'll never enter his house as long as I live,' she announced determinedly. "'Good. But you forget your personal effects. They're in his house.' He was overflowing with happiness. "'They've all gone to the depot, and I have the baggage checks. My ticket and my money are in this purse. You see—' "'We're quite on the same footing.' "'I don't feel sure of my footing,' he commented ruefully. "'By the way, I have a fountain pen. "'Would you mind signing these papers? "'We'll be quite sure of our standing, at least.' "'She deliberately spread out the papers on the beam, "'and while he obligingly kept her from falling, "'signed seven documents in a full, decisive hand. "'Louise Hampton Delancey.' "'There! That means you are to begin the suit.' "'she said finally, handing the pen to him. "'And I'll not waste an instant,' he said, meaningly. "'In fact, the suit is already under way.' "'I don't understand you,' she said. "'But she flushed. "'That's what a lawyer says when it goes to court,' he explained. "'Oh,' she said, thoroughly convinced. "'At the end of another hour, the two on the beam "'were looking at each other with troubled eyes.' When he glanced at his watch at six o'clock, his face was extremely sober. There was a tired, wistful expression in her eyes. "'Do you think they'll keep us here all night?' she asked plaintively. "'Heaven knows what that scoundrel will do.' "'We had the paper signed at any rate,' she sighed, trying to revive the dying spark of humor. "'And we won't be lonesome,' he added, glaring at the dog." Did you ever dream that a man could be so despicable? Ah, here comes someone at last, he cried, brightening up. The figure of Robert Austin appeared in the doorway. Oho, you're both up there now, are you? He snapped. That's why you didn't go to the depot, isn't it? Well, how has the business progressed? She has signed all the papers, if that's what you want to know, said Crosby tantalizingly. "'That's all the good it'll do her. "'We'll beat you in court, Mr. Crosby, "'and we won't leave a dollar for you, "'my dear sister-in-law,' "'snarled Austin, his face white with rage. "'And now that we've settled our business "'and missed our train, "'perhaps you'll call off your confounded dog,' "'said Crosby. "'Austin's face broke into a wide grin, "'and he chuckled aloud. "'Then he leaned against the doorpost "'and held his sides. "'What's the joke?' demanded the irate Crosby. Mrs. Delancey clasped his arm and looked down upon Austin as if he had suddenly gone mad. "'You want to come down, eh?' cackled Austin. "'Why don't you come down? I know you'll pardon my laughter, but I've just remembered that you may be a horse-thief and that I was not going to let you escape. "'Mrs. Delancey refuses to speak to me, so I decline to ask her to come down.' "'Do you mean to say you'll keep this lady up here for—' "'began Crosby fiercely. "'Her hand on his arm prevented him from leaping to the floor. "'She may come down when she desires, "'and so may you, sir,' roared Austin stormily. "'But someone will release us, curse you, "'and then I'll make you sorry you ever lived,' hissed Crosby. "'You're a black-hearted cur, a cowardly dog. "'Don't—don't! "'Don't,' whispered the timid woman beside him. "'You're helping your cause beautifully,' sneered Austin. "'My men have instructions to stay away from the barn until the marshal comes. "'I myself expect to feed and bed the horses.' "'Deliberately he went about the task of feeding the horses. "'The two on the beam looked on in helpless silence. "'Crosby had murder in his heart. "'At last the master of the situation started for the door.' "'Good-night,' he said sarcastically. "'Pleasant dreams!' "'You brute!' cried Crosby, hoarse with anger. A sob came from his tired companion, and Crosby turned to her, his heart full of tenderness and shame, perhaps. Tears were streaming down her cheeks, and her shoulders drooped dejectedly. "'What shall we do?' she moaned. Crosby could frame no answer. He gently took her hand in his and held it tightly. She made no effort to withdraw it. "'I'm awfully sorry,' he said softly. "'Don't cry, little woman. It'll end all right. I know.' Just then Austin re-entered the barn. Without a word he strode over and emptied a pan of raw meat on the floor in front of the dog. Then he calmly departed. But Crosby could have sworn he heard him chuckle. The captives looked at each other dumbly for a full minute, one with wet, wide-open, hurt eyes, the other with consternation. Gradually the sober light in their eyes faded away, and feeble smiles developed into peals of laughter. The irony of the situation bore down upon them irresistibly, and their genuine, healthy young minds saw the picture in all of its ludicrous colorings. Not even the prospect of a night in mid-air could conquer the wild desire to laugh." "'Isn't it too funny for words?' "'She laughed bravely through her tears. "'Then, for some reason, both relapsed into dark, silent contemplation of the dog who was so calmly enjoying his evening repast. "'I'm sorry to admit it, Mr. Crosby, but I'm growing frightfully hungry,' she said wistfully. "'It has just occurred to me that I haven't eaten a bite since seven o'clock this morning,' he said. "'You poor man!' "'I wish I could cook something for you.' "'You might learn.' "'You know what I mean,' she explained, reddening a bit. "'You must be nearly famished.' "'I prefer to think of something more interesting,' he said coolly. "'It is horrid,' she sobbed. "'See? "'It is getting dark. "'Night is coming, Mr. Crosby. "'What's to become of us?' He was very much distressed by her tears, and a desperate resolve took root in his breast. She was so tired and dispirited that she seemed glad when he drew her close to him and pressed her head on his shoulder. He heard the long sigh of relief and relaxation, and she peered curiously over her wet lace handkerchief when he muttered tenderly, Poor little chap. Then she sighed again quite securely, and there was a long silence, broken regularly and rhythmically. "'by the faint little catches "'that once were tearful sobs. "'Oh, dear me! "'It's quite dark!' "'She cried suddenly, "'and he felt a shudder run through her body. "'Where could you go to-night, "'Mrs. Delancey, "'if we were to succeed in getting away from here?' "'He asked abruptly. "'She felt his figure straighten "'and his arm grew tense "'as if a sudden determination had charged through it. "'Why, I hadn't thought about that.' she confessed, confronted by a new proposition. "'There's a late-night train for Chicago,' he volunteered. "'But how are we to catch it?' "'If you're willing to walk to town, I think you can catch it,' he said, a strange ring in his voice. "'What do you mean?' she demanded, looking up at his face quickly. "'Can you walk the two miles?' he persisted. The train leaves Dexter at eleven o'clock, and it is now nearly eight. Of course, I can walk it, she said eagerly. I could walk a hundred miles to get away from this place. You'll miss the New York train, of course. I've changed my mind, Mr. Crosby. I shall remain in Chicago until we've had our revenge on Austin and the others. That's very good of you. May I ask where you stop in Chicago? My apartments are in the Causeway building. "'My mother lives with me.' "'Will you come to see me sometime? "'He asked, an odd smile on his lips. "'Come to see you?' "'She cried in surprise. "'The idea! "'What do you mean? "'I may not be able to call on you for some time, "'but you can be very good to me by coming to see me. "'I'll be stopping at St. Luke's Hospital for quite a while.' "'At St. Luke's? "'I don't understand.' "'She cried, perplexed. "'You see, my dear Mrs. Delancey, "'I've come to a definite conclusion "'in regard to our present position. "'You must not stay here all night. "'I'd be a coward and a cur "'to subject you to such a thing. "'So I'm going down to tackle that dog.' "'To tackle the dog?' "'She gasped. "'And while I'm keeping him busy, "'you are to cut and run for the road down there. "'Then you'll have easy sailing for town.' "'Mr. Crosby,' she said firmly, clasping his arm, "'you are not to leave this beam. "'Do you think I'll permit you to go down there "'and be torn to pieces by that beast "'just for the sake of letting me cut and run? "'I'd be a bigger brute than the dog, and—and—' and... "'Mrs. Delancey, my mind is made up. "'I'm going down.' "'That settles it. I'm coming, too,' she proclaimed emphatically. "'To be sure. That's the plan. You'll escape while I hold Swallow. "'I'll do nothing of the sort. You shall not sacrifice yourself for my sake. "'I'd stay up here with you all the rest of my life before I permit you to do that. "'I'll remind you of that offer later on, my dear Mrs. Delancey, "'when we're not so pressed for time. Just now you must be practical, however. "'We can't stay up here all night.' "'Please, Mr. Crosby, for my sake, don't go down there.' To please me, don't be disfigured. I know you're awfully brave and strong, but he is a huge, vicious dog. Won't you please stay here? Ten minutes from now, it will be too dark to see the dog, and he'll have an advantage over me. Listen, I'll meet you at the depot in an hour and a half. This is final, Mrs. Delancey. Will you do as I tell you? Run for the road, and then to town. I'll promise to join you there. "'Oh, dear!' she moaned, as he drew away from her and swung one foot to the ladder. "'I shall die if you go down there.' "'I'm going just the same. Don't be afraid, little woman. My pocket-knife is open and is a trusty blade. Now be brave and be quick. Follow me down the ladder and cut for it.' "'Please, please!' she implored, wringing her hands. "'but he was already halfway down the ladder "'and refused to stop. "'Suddenly Crosby paused "'as if checked in his progress "'by some insurmountable obstacle. "'The dog was at the foot of the ladder, "'snarling with joy over the prospective "'end of his long vigil. "'Above, Mrs. Delancey was moaning "'and imploring him to come back to her side, "'even threatening to spring from the beam "'to the floor before he could reach the bottom. "'By George!' he exclaimed and then climbed up three or four rounds of the ladder, greatly to the annoyance of the dog. "'What is it?' cried Mrs. Delancey, recovering her balance on the beam. "'Let me think for a minute,' he answered, deliberately resting his elbow on an upper round. "'It's about time you were doing a little thinking,' she said, relief and asperity in her voice. "'In another second I should have jumped into that dog's jaws.' "'I believe this can be done,' "'he went on, excited enthusiasm growing in his voice. "'That's what bulldogs are famous for, isn't it? "'I don't know what you're talking about, "'but I do know that whenever they take hold of anything "'they have to be treated for lockjaw before they'll let go. "'If you don't come up here beside me, "'I'll have a fit, Mr. Crosby.' "'That's it. That's what I mean,' he cried eagerly. "'If they close those jaws upon anything "'until death them doth part.' "'Gad, I believe I see a way out of this pickle. "'I don't see how that can help us. "'The dog's jaws are the one and only obstacle, "'and it's usually the other fellow's death that parts them.' "'Oh!' she went on, plaintively. "'If we could only pull his teeth! "'Good heaven, Mr. Crosby!' "'Sitting up very abruptly. "'You're not thinking of undertaking that, are you?' "'No!' "'but I've got a scheme that will make Swallow ashamed of himself "'to the end of his days. "'I can't help laughing over it.' "'He leaned back and laughed heartily. (laughs) "'Hold my coat, please.' "'He removed his coat quickly and passed it up to her. "'I insist on knowing what you intend doing,' she exclaimed. "'Just wait and see me show Mr. Swallow a new trick or two.' "'He had already taken his watch and chain, "'his fountain pen and other effects from his vest,' "'jamming them into his trouser pockets. "'Mrs. Delancey, in the growing darkness, "'looked on, puzzled and anxious. "'You might tell me,' she argued resentfully. "'Are you going to try to swim out?' "'Folding the vest lengthwise, "'he took a firm grip on the collar "'and cautiously descended the ladder. "'I'll not come to the hospital,' she cried warningly. "'Don't. He'll bite your leg off.' I'm merely teasing him, Mrs. Delancey. He shan't harm my legs, don't fear. Now watch for developments. We'll return with the very surprising Part 2 of The Day of the Dog by George Barr McCutcheon in just a few days. As you know, we bring episodes every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern and Sunday at 12 noon Eastern Time. This is your host and storyteller, John Hagedorn. This is 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales, we always appreciate reviews. So if you have a moment, please do stop and send us a kind review. We also appreciate your sharing our show with others, and we appreciate your support at patreon.com forward slash 1001 storiesnetwork Network. That's patreon.com forward slash 1001 Stories Network, where, for about the cost of a blended coffee each month, you can help 1001 Stories Network make it to 2001 Stories Network. We're a little independent, just me, up against a whole lot of big boys that have come into the podcast market, and we appreciate the help of our Patreon supporters very, very much. Until we return, everyone, stay safe, and we'll be back soon.